Evangelism and discipleship are not meant to be two different things. And often we think, hey, you do evangelism, someone says the Jesus in their heart prayer gets saved, and then sometime later, after coming to church for a while, they're going to get discipled. Sure. But I don't think those in Scripture are two separate things. And again, discipleship, the way that, that I like to define it, is the process for moving from unbelief to belief. In every area. Yeah, in the gospel, in every area of life. Yeah. So there's no true discipleship without the gospel, the evangel, the good news at the center of it all. Okay, you can't do discipleship without the gospel. Right. And if the gospel of evangelism is a, the applying of the good news, the gospel to every area of life, well, then discipleship's happening as long as we're living that way and inviting people into those rhythms. So one, discipleship or evangelism is not actually accomplished, nor does it exist without the other. Welcome to the Everyday Disciple Podcast, where you'll learn how to live with greater intentionality and an integrated faith that naturally fits into every area of life. In other words, discipleship as a lifestyle. This is the stuff your parents, pastors, and seminary professors probably forgot to tell you. And now, here's your host, Caesar Kalinowski. Hey, Heath, this is great. Yeah. And we were just talking to the folks on Facebook. Absolutely. Yeah, so, so you're no, able to be part of that. No swearing or minimalize that. Because <laughs> the, right. the edits... I will come in post. That's right. Say, fix it in the editing room. I, we don't, we're not vulgar people. But no. Sometimes you either mess up or you say something with a that little you want to retake <laughs> for some reasons. Yeah. Who knows why those reasons might be. Yeah. But uh, we plead the fifth. Yeah. But this is fun. I don't know. I mean, maybe we should always be doing this. Isn't it's it? Fun. Isn't this how the big shots do it? They have like, you know, like yeah, they got the video set up and whole thing and cameras, mm-hmm. people running around the background. Lots, you know, all of our staff is here watching. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we have some amazing listeners of the show. Yeah. That we've asked recently, like, hey, would you gotten some rights and reviews? And a big spike lately. Yeah. Which you know, is great. The last few weeks we've shot up. Like somebody's sharing this. This is awesome. Yeah. If you're if you're out sharing the show with people, wow, then you're being a blessing. I just wanted to read out a couple of reviews. A church plant man said, love the content and the thoughts you guys share are extremely applicable. So thanks, church plant man. <laughs> uh, Justin Wester said, I look forward to the release of every of this podcast every Monday. It encourages me to follow the way of Jesus in my local context, homework, recreation, and it's always fresh and practical. Every time I tune in, I consider it time well spent, and every time it ends, I want to go practice what I learned. Awesome. Boom. What you could and should be doing. Love that. And then uh, our buddy David wrote in, which is great. He said, this podcast shows you how to live a lifestyle discipleship. Also, it's really easy to understand, and it's not like listening to a thesis paper. Heath and Caesar (laughs) are a great team. Their guest speakers are insightful. Each episode is practical and biblical. So... I don't even know how to spell thesis. I don't know what it is. That's right. I thought it said the sis. The sis. Talking about some sis. (laughs) Today we're talking about evangelism and discipleship and how it fits together. But but more than that, are we talking about, is it starting to shift? Yeah. Is the way, maybe compared to how the way we were raised? Sure. Like, here's what evangelism, here's your, here's your duty, here's your call, here's your, you know, job or whatever. Yeah. And yeah, so we're talking about, is that cha- changing? That, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess I'm going to play my hand right away. I think it is starting to change. Yeah. Well, and, I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah. So as is often the case, Caesar, uh, we want to start out by defining what we're talking about. Okay. This topic is evangelism and look for what sort of biblical precedent we can find to help us understand our starting point. Good place to start, right? We'll yep. learn a few things, see what the word says. So, let me let me say before I jump into the text in the text, when I say the word evangelism or evangelist, what what first comes to mind for you? 
the first thing is the either a Billy Graham or the dude outside of like the Seahawks games with a megaphone <laughs> screaming at us. Yeah. Okay. And <laughs> or the door to door kind of yeah you know, the evangelism team at church that goes door to door. So when I ask people that, and I have asked it often, and like sure. even at conferences and all, that's always what people say. Hmm. Like generally, it's like yeah, Billy Graham. Yep. And I was like, you ever been to one? No. <laughs> but we ha- we've seen videos and like, well, my dad went to one or, you know, sure. older people will say, yep, I went to one. That's a really rare form of evangelism. Right. A person that's going to have the resources, skill set and, you know, abilities to fill stadiums full of people. Yep. And it's actually, it's very far from how the Bible uses that word, as we'll see in a minute. The bullhorn guy, no, that's not good news. No. Nope. We're going to talk about like the evangel evangelism, the good news, what it needs to sound like. Sure. <laughs> and... And then the door-to-door stuff, even Jesus spoke about that. Is that is that really the model? Was that his model? Mm-hmm. So, it, but it, but you're absolutely right. That's what people have come to mind. Yeah, absolutely. And it's scary and creepy, unnecessarily so. I'll just yeah. say. And as we're going to see here, it's uh, not that biblical. So first off, the word evangelism, okay, okay, quote unquote, is not really found in the Bible anywhere. Hmm. Okay, but the word or the distinction of a person being called an evangelist does. Sure. Right? It's in it's in Ephesians 4. We talked to Alan Hirsch a few weeks ago about that. Yep. Uh, maybe do, you're, you're an evangelist, apostle, prophet, priest, whatever. Sure. And, and then P- Paul, who was an apostle, says to Timothy, also an apostle, says, and don't forget to do the work of an evangelist. Okay? Hmm. So um, also, there's not a strong command, by the way, to go out in the streets and go door-to-door preaching to folks. Okay. There's, there's just not. Um, when Jesus sends his disciples out, we have one example of this, one where he sends his disciples out and two by two and says, go to someone's house, knock on it and, and pronounce peace on them. Meaning like, give them a good word, yeah. you know, like something that's like, Hey, life's good. Right. Like life's, life's okay. Sure. And if they return peace, meaning they're not like, get out of here, you know, yeah. like if they're like cool about it, invite you in, maybe offer you a drink or something to do. Um, then stick with that person. It says, don't go to the next house. Sure. Hang out with them. Invest build a relationship. Time with them, yeah. Right. And so that's not necessarily the exactly what we're going to do today thing, but the principles are there, sure. meaning you're going to stick with a lot fewer people. It's not a bomb, door-to-door, you know, gospel tracks bomb. Yeah. A Bible blitz. <laughs> yeah, Bible blitzing. <laughs> um, it's building relationships. Stay with that person. Sure. Don't go to the next place. Jesus actually, it seems like he's, he's sort of advocating for not going door-to-door. Hmm. Like, seriously, it's great yeah. because why? Because there's no relationship connected to it. Yeah, absolutely. You're just, you're just blasting people. You're dropping it off. It sells. It feels like a sales pitch too. Yeah, you know, like if you have a quota to meet. You know, I remember being at a church when I was younger, and there was an evangelism team, and that's what they. I mean, they went out soul winning, door to door, come back, report the numbers. No relationship. It was ticking off a box. You know, and you know what's crazy? Every single one of those people still in church to this day. No, of course not. <laughs> not at all. It's, it's yeah. like it's like a fraction of one percent. You know. Sure because they're not really winning anything. Yeah. And so Jesus knew this, and so he he talks about that. So it's really none of those things. It's not this giant onstage thing, uh, or rarely. That's going to be a rare sure. gift and a rare occurrence. And even the results of that have been pretty pretty slim, yeah, actually. Absolutely. It's unfortunate. Um, love Billy Graham. Love what the association stands for does in the world. It's an amazing thing. Proud of it. Yep. Um, historically, though, the numbers of people who actually found a relationship and a life in community with Christ sure. and his people... It's like half 1% or something like yeah. that. After just the, no sticking power. Yeah, because there's no relationship there again. So, right. so typically, though, we think about evangelism more in the New Testament than we do in the Old, right? But yep. obviously, God's been calling his people forever to proclaim his love and faithfulness throughout all the ages. Um, God established the nation of Israel 
like through his covenant with Abraham, yep. right? So I'm going Bible nerd for a second on us. Um, and he, he, he established Israel as his family to be this beacon of hope in the world um, to people who were lost in sin and darkness and in slavery, literally and figuratively. Yep. So uh, that seemed to be the way of the world. And all the pagan gods were about sacrificing your baby and dumping them on a fire or in a pit. Or sure. and you had to appease this God. And, and God wanted his people, Israel, and now the church, he, he wanted to be this light of like, no, 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 that's not how our God's like. Yeah. That's not what life with him is like. Now, he sure. was talking now too, not just someday in, in the heaven, future, yeah. yeah, which is a bonus and we get that too. Now, the word evangel, which is where we get evangelism or uh, evangelist, uh, in both either the Old Testament or New Testament versions means good news. So or, it should sound good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or glad tidings, which sounds like a super old-timey phrase, right? Old, you know, glad tidings. But I like it because glad tidings, what's that sum up? Does that sum up like bullhorn guy? No, not at all. Pissing you off and making you feel bad? and wanna, I just want to dump that guy's table over, you know? <laughs> no, and not so. So an evangelist, the word evangel, if it means good, neuter, glad tidings. And by the way, that was a term uh, used in the Bible sure. before ever there was the church. And it meant a person who would herald... Some good news. The king would say, hey, by the way, we're reducing your taxes. By the way, we won that war. By the way, the flood's over, you know? By the way, and I want to let the people know, or I'm throwing a feast, or my son's getting married, or so the evangelist would go out and proclaim good news. Now, they had other people for the bad news. Sure. An evangelist, literally, was the guy who got killer job. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) the most loved guy in the city. Yeah, got to go out and say, hey, party's happening, or, you know, war's over, (laughs) or we're all getting set free here, you know? So that you got to understand that. So that wasn't, we didn't make up that term. Um, It existed. So, Hmm. but they were a person who brought the good news or the glad tidings. That's key. No one would show up, you know, in in Old or New Testament, post-church, as the church, no one would show up at a house or at work or at a party and announce, you know what? You all suck sure. and you're going to pay for it someday. Wrath, <laughs> wrath of guys. <laughs> you know, you never find an example of, of that being tied to the word evangel right. or evangelist. I'm not saying prophets never warned people, but sure. they were called prophets. They Which weren't called evangelists. Separation, yeah. It's different. Yep. And people were, when they were hearing evangelists, you know, they, they weren't hearing people, like I said, you know, gloom and doom messages. Uh, you suck. You're going to pay for it. The end is near. And then everybody's going, hmm, that's good news. I needed that. You know, that's just not the right picture. Right. Okay. So we got to say that historically, biblically, even before the Bible, that's just not what an evangelist did. And it's not what Christian or even pre, you know, Israel, you know, Jewish sure. Christians did. Um, also, did Jesus ever ask us to do anything like that? No. Ever. No. Did he ever go and instruct his disciples to go out and proclaim doom or um, or was he announcing the good news of the kingdom of heaven? Yeah, of course. That there was a new rule and a reign and the king was taking care of everything. Yeah. And the king was here to make sure you were forgiven and well-fed and yeah. would live forever. He's and a good it, king. Right, yeah. right? That's what we see in scripture. Yep. Absolutely, man. That's seeing, what I see as well. Yeah. So the good tidings to a nation, think about it, so... When, when Jesus was out proclaiming, and then his disciples, the good tidings, or the good news to a nation that had been waiting for their Messiah King to come for hundreds of years, was that he had come. Hmm. And, and if you go back and you look at most all of Paul's, what we would maybe term evangelistic types of messages, or sure. even Peter's, like right at the day of Pentecost, they were that. I know, you know, I know you've been waiting forever for the Messiah. Right. 
Good news. Guess what? He's here. He came. That's good news, man. It's super good <laughs> yeah. news because they knew what that meant and all that. Now, sure. um, it was really good news. Unless, of course, you liked working for your own salvation. Hmm. Some people did. They liked self-righteousness, right? Sure. Um, or you liked being your own God and Savior. Then it wouldn't be good news. Right. If, if the Messiah coming meant you might lose your job or no need to be this type of person or earn your living that way anymore, that might not be good news to you. Sure. But generally, people were waiting. And this was super good news. Evangelism then is speaking and living in a way that helps others, that would be Christians or not, believers, not yet believers, move from unbelief to belief Hmm. in every area of life and about what's true about God, what he's now done for us in and through Christ, and how he now sees us, what's true of us, and how we get to live in in light of that. And it's glad tidings, brother, not condemnation. Hmm. Okay. So that's interesting to me. What's like? What's the most well-known evangelistic verse? We're all taught to memorize it real early on. And just in case you forget it, thank you, the rainbow wig guy at the NFL games. <laughs> John three sixteen. That's it, right? Yeah. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall have eternal life and not perish. Um, but notice what's crazy. We skip it. We stop. We put the brakes on. Verse seventeen, right there. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So it's right there coupled with our most favorite verse. We just chop it in half. We chop it in half, okay? So So, that's important to understand. So that is sort of a biblical understanding of an evangelist, evangel, the good news, the word where we even get gospel from, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and to have that historical context, too, like I said, those, those evangelists, man, when they start, when you hear their voice, you know something good's coming. Run, like, let's go. Yeah, Woo, what's party's going on. on? Yeah. Hey, party's on. Something's good. something's changing. Yeah. So, in light of that, where does uh, all this weirdness in modern day evangelism come in? Like, there's, there's obviously, like, I'm sure most of our listeners would say too. There's creepy stigmas attached to evangelism, and well, just like you said, right? Hmm. Like, if you think, okay, to be an evangelist and somehow be a good Christian or be obedient. I have um, to do this. Yeah, I have yeah. to go door to door and, you know, hammer guys. Or yeah. I have to tell them how crappy. I had a buddy, and I don't know if he's listened today. I'm going to out him because he he's let me out him in books before. But okay. Seth McBee. Okay. Seth. Seth. What's happening, man? Brother. Um, he, years ago, because he felt compelled to, because he was, believed this is what he was supposed to do, yeah. he went door to door in his cul-de-sac and in his subdivision, I don't know, 60, 80 homes. Okay. He went door to door with a stack of Bibles, oh, extra no. heavy. Seth. And he... Uh, he told people, he asked them if they wanted this, and if they were interested in coming to church and learn more about God. And if they said no, he said, okay, but I am compelled to tell you, huh. as a Christian, as a good Christian, that you, by rejecting this and rejecting God and his word, you, in fact, will be going to hell and burning in fire forever. So just, I'm letting you know, my conscience will be clear. That was his good news. Wow. Slam. Yeah, doesn't sound like good news. Yeah, now he's delivering he, the good yeah. news. Yeah, no, I can out him because he ended up, long story short, years later, came to understand a much bigger and better, more beautiful gospel. And yeah. he went back door to door and repented to those people. Oh, no. Yeah, way. it's me again. <laughs> Hold on. Don't, don't slam the door. I deserve that. But let me let me apologize. Yeah, like the some... fake glasses yeah, let me, and the mustache. Let me apologize. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, I think the other thing that we tend to see in why evangelism gets weird is because we love ourselves more than we love God and even others, right? Yeah, I love me. Think about it. If you really love yourself and you like people to like you, and you don't like it when you get the door slammed in your face. Yeah. You're not going to want to go out and stand on a stage and preach to, to strangers. Sure. You're not going to want to go door to door and hand out tracts and give people eh, kind of a harsh message. Yeah. You're not going to want to get on the stump or the box 
you know, Pioneer Square in Seattle or down at the market, you know, yep. Saturday market in Portland and, and just, you know, really, you know, lay it on people about how sinful and, and the wrath is coming. You're not going to want to do that if you love you sure. and you know, basically it's never being received as good news, but you see how it's the wrong paradigm. It's not even yeah. what we're fearing. We should fear because it's not God's ways and it wasn't Jesus's ways and model. And so, and, and I, and so the self-love that's behind it is yep. actually self-preservation in a way. That's sad. You know, that's the thing is, behind the thing it that is we sad. talk about so much. It is sad. So. All right, so this door-to-door kind of soul-winning concept or even strategically putting time aside to go out and like share the gospel. Yeah, special events where you do that. Not normal life, but you know, certain yeah. times. Yeah. yeah, yeah. it's a disconnection from the rest of your life. I don't see Jesus living in this way, right? Yeah. So would you argue uh, that it can be done in a normal day-to-day rhythm? And if so, what's that look like? Yeah. And day-to-day rhythm, again, just so everybody's clear, we're not talking about day-to-day, carve out 15 minutes to yeah. go and blast your neighbors or <laughs> you know, stop by the mall or maybe at the Starbucks when you pick up your coffee, just holler at a few people. Yeah. yeah. In the drive-thru. <laughs> just freaking holler about <laughs> I got the 30 wrath. seconds. And wrath of God. And did I, can I get some sweet and low with that? Yeah. So... It's my strong opinion, okay, and, and I hope folks will believe me on this a little bit. I've written about this. We've even talked about some of this in other episodes, that evangelism and discipleship okay. were never meant to be two separate activities or practices or sort of experiences, hmm. okay? Evangelism and discipleship are not meant to be two different things. And often we think, hey, you do evangelism, someone says the Jesus in their heart prayer gets saved, and then sometime later, after coming to church for a while, they're going to get discipled. Sure. But I don't think those in Scripture are two separate things. And again, discipleship, the way that, that I like to define it, is the process for moving from unbelief to belief. In every area of life. Yeah, yeah in the gospel, in every area of life. Yeah. So there's no true discipleship without the gospel, the evangel, the good news at the center of it all. Okay, you can't do discipleship without the gospel. Right. And if the gospel, if evangelism, is a, the applying of the good news, the gospel, to every area of life, well, then discipleship's happening as long as we're living that way and inviting people into those rhythms. So one, discipleship or evangelism is not actually accomplished, nor does it exist without the other. And so, yes, to your question, does evangelism or can evangelism happen sort of in the normal day-to-day rhythms? Yes, and it, it, I think it has to, because discipleship happens that way, and discipleship's the process of moving people from unbelief to yeah, belief in the gospel. So how you can help someone move from unbelief to belief when it comes to say, you know, the way you talk to your kids, like when you're putting them to bed and you kind of shamed them about all the stuff they didn't get done today and tomorrow they be- they could do better. Yeah. And then you kind of hug them so now they feel like dad will love me more if I do. How, you can address that from an evangelistic stage. Sure. You going to scream that, that at the guy at Starbucks that you don't even know if he's married and got kids and how he parents? Hmm. See, that's going to be all of life. You're going to have to do life together. And by the way, open up your life and home and heart to people so they see you parenting your kids yeah. and how you speak to your wife in marriage and what's your budget look like. And does the gospel speak into all that? Can we evangelize a person's gospel or or their retirement fund? Mm. Yeah. Can we bring good news? Does God have good news? I love you. I care for you. I know the end of your life from the beginning. I've already, I've, I'm there. And so I got you. Right. And, and I, I proved it in my son. You know, when Jesus came, I spoke love and generosity and care to the point of death sure. unto you. Yeah. See, the gospel does speak to all of that, but not from a stage and not from like track bombs going house to house. Yeah. So in light of that, uh, and we talk a lot about how it's it's not even our job to save people. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. And so yeah. sometimes 
we think like it's our job and and when we have that sort of mindset then people become tasks you know we we forget the friendship or we have friendship because our alternative motive is to save this person so um, yeah, I've been that person's friend for years, and I keep inviting him to church, and then I'm just not going to be friends with him anymore. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah, it's rough. You never see Jesus that way, ever. Yeah. <laughs> so if the Holy if the Holy Spirit's role is to lead people to Jesus, is there a point to even the old school way of like doing the soul winning, soul winning, or can we ditch that? And what's our responsibility? <laughs> You're hoping I'm going to say we can ditch it, right? <laughs> I would love to, to not have that class anymore. <laughs> what's our responsibility as Christians when it comes to evangelism? So remember, like we were just talking, Jesus' command to us is to make disciples. That's that's it. He he doesn't actually say, go out and evangelize. Yeah. When Paul says to Timothy, don't forget to do the work of an evangelist while you're planting these churches, he's meaning, don't do this pragmatically. Make sure you apply the good news to every bit of this. Huh. Okay? So Jesus' command, make disciples. Evangelizing everyone in every area of life is what it's all about. So the command that Jesus had was never to try to, oh, I got I to gotta talk someone into something. Sure. I got to convince them that God's real. Yeah, God said the the rocks will even cry out that it's plain, it's clear it's throughout nature. So um, He never said you got to get out there and you got to like convince your friends to say the Jesus in their heart prayer, scare them if you need to be, scare them with some <laughs> yeah. hell, scare Just the hell. Just get off. them to say that prayer and then it's over. Yeah, and then get them to a church service. That's what's next. Yeah, right. Forever, you know, like that's what they need. But in fact, this requires time and relationship mm. and giving ourselves to others, our lives. That's what Jesus did. Think about it. He came. From heaven to earth, he put on flesh, he hung out with us, he hung out with primarily, well, because they're humans, sinners, because that's every human, right? and he gave his life unto death, and and that's what evangelism slash discipleship is really, hmm. and that's what you could see what Jesus did, but it's also what his disciples did in the book of Acts and following up afterwards, is they gave their life to people, yeah, not a moment and a message just by itself, standalone. Hmm. They gave their time, they gave their resources, they gave their hearts, they gave their prayer, they they had bro- they lived with broken hearts as they shouldered the pain of other people's sin. Think sure. about what did Jesus do at the cross? He shouldered the pain of our sin. Wow. That's the most evangelistic moment ever in history is the cross. Yeah. And what was Jesus doing? And then he sent his disciples out and said the same thing. And Paul said the same thing. It's not my life anymore. It's Christ I live. And to die is gain. If I actually died like Christ. Yeah. And so... He's not necessarily physically talking about heart cessation. He's talking about dying to, this is my life and it's about me. Hmm. A true evangelism is true discipleship, is true yeah. evangelism, and it'll take every bit of your life. Yeah, we had said that a while back on one of the episodes. Is the Jesus model was like, just come and, like, come and do life with me, and we're going to flesh this out in life, and you guys are going to fight. So did, yeah, did Jesus and... separate evangelism and discipleship? No. It was one thing. He was the good news. Yeah. But he was also proclaiming the good news that now there was going to be a new covenant where God would be God over his people. But now because of him, Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, we'd actually get to live forgiven as his people by faith in him. So he was the good news, and discipleship and evangelism was all one lifestyle for him. Sure. It wasn't this event he put on and said, okay, boys, it's Tuesday, evangelism practice. (laughs) You just can't. Soul winning class, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So do you think that evangelism and, and, and also discipleship is changing uh, these days in the church worldwide? Um, I hope so. And I think I Me see too. evidence. Yeah, and I, <laughs> and I sure hope so. But I do think it is. Um, you know, I just got back not too long ago from Finland. Yeah. Um, we've worked all over Europe and Eastern Europe, and God's been gracious to do that. And I am seeing it changing. Hmm. I'm seeing more and more Christians 
and leaders in the church believing that they have a role in helping others experience the words and deeds of the gospel, okay, but also understanding that their church services or preach sermons or, you know, door-to-door soul-winning activities is not enough, and that the Holy Spirit, like you were just saying, is the one who moves and draws hearts and makes things understandable, and the Holy Spirit brings conviction and brings repentance. None of that is our job. Hmm. But over time in relationship with people, the Spirit uses us, and he works those things out in people. Yeah. Right? So I, I got to be honest, it, it was both easier and harder in the past. The old school understanding of evangelism was easier and harder. It was easier when we believed we could just hand out tracts or, you know, I invited my friends <laughs> to the crusade and sure. then to a church service and now our responsibility is over. Huh. In some ways that was easier. It was kind of scary to ask them, but golly, it's like 10 seconds. No, they said no, they're rejecting. Yeah. You know. <sighs> but it was harder because if we really did love people well, we carry this false weight hmm. uh, that the person's salvation was on our shoulders. And so we really we kind of hardly ever would engage in evangelism because it was too heavy. Sure. And then if we didn't, and most Christians don't, then we super felt guilty. And so yeah. we get kind of stuck in this loop. I feel guilty. So <laughs> I should do it more, right. but God is so heavy. How do I talk a person into like changing their whole worldview and accepting yeah. God? And they suck. And I have to tell them you suck. And God, God loves you though. And he died. You made God die. You know, like, you know, yeah. Oh, an awkward so you get in this weird loop. So I think in the past it was both easier and harder. And the truth is, it's good to bring the good news. Blessed are the feet of those who bring good news. Yeah. Everyone wants to be that person, the right? good news person. All right, ah. we got to wrap things up because we are getting a little late here on time, but we want to get to the big three. And for those of you who might be new to the big three, these are the three like takeaways. If you could distill this episode down to like the three things we want you leaving with. You can always get the PDF version, sort of a printed version of this, in case you're driving or you're at the gym or whatever. If you go to everydaydisciple.com, big three, B-I-G-3. Okay, so first one, don't miss this. God does the drawing in, the illuminating, the convicting, the granting of repentance, and the saving. Salvation's his work. Yeah. Okay? But we can join him in this amazing process as we're called to live lives that display what he's like and through all of that, through all of life, our words, our actions, and we get to give account, right? It says, be ready to give an account yep. uh, of how all this has happened and is still happening in our life. Yeah. That's cool. That would be really good news. Like, hey, I was addicted Amazing to this news. and I'm not anymore. Yeah. You were just asking me about that addiction. And it's like, there's hope. Yeah. That's good news. Right? Hmm. Second, remember that Jesus came to save the world, not condemn it. He says that. And in John 3, 16, we're reminded of that. And you know, let's not forget, we've all received grace upon grace yeah. and mercy. It's endless. Yeah, it's too right? much, yeah. It's God's kindness that leads people to repentance, not our stern warnings or accusations or pointing out their sin or our perfect evangelistic presentations. Yeah. So never start off a relationship or even a conversation that's going to be about God and spiritual things by pointing out someone's sin and shortcomings. Just that's not good. That's news. not a good place to start. And yeah. yeah, and that's not going to lead them. It's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. Yeah. Third, uh, start off by seeing everybody, you know, that you know and meet as a fellow image bearer of God's. Hmm. They bear God's image, because the number one thing we have most in common with people yeah. is our need for a savior. We're Absolutely. just like them. We're created in God's image. We had nothing to do with that. We received mercy. We should have dropped dead sure. from our rebellion, and everybody's just like that, right? Hmm. And while we may be at a different place in our journey, in our spiritual life, or our faith than others, 
our truest and greatest need that we have most in common with people is, is Jesus. Yeah. And that should bind us together, and that's super humbling. And so as the, as the old saying goes, the ground at the foot of the cross is level, you know? So approach others who don't yet walk with Jesus seeing yourself in them, because you're just like them, except apart from Christ. Invite them into a life, not a presentation. Yeah. Okay. I love that. Thank you for those big three. Yeah. And again, if you want to download those, you can print them out and put them in your car or put them on your mirror. <laughs> well, you know, if you're at the gym or you're driving or whatever, yeah. you're like, man, I want those. I want to think about those. That's why we give the download every week. Absolutely. Okay. I hope you'll join me again next week and every week as we continue to look at how discipleship fits into all of life and how you can lead others in this way of life, making it fun and reproducible as you go. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us today. For more information on this show and to get loads of free discipleship resources, visit everydaydisciple.com. And remember, you really can live with the spiritual freedom and relational peace that Jesus promised every day. 